if by chance or luck or something that 20 years from now when I'm long gone, there's a, a news flash or something that says, this picture of Abe Pildes sold for $20,000 at, at auction. I would be happy. I won't benefit financially from it, but I'll be happy that because of that news flash, a lot of people will see that image. And then, and then if somebody else sees that, they might find that it's interesting also. Maybe it opens up something else for them. Welcome to the Beginner Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Raymond Hadfield, and today we are chatting with street, commercial, portrait, uh, just overall very creative photographer, Ave Pildes, about unearthing the powerful photo gems that you already have. This episode is brought to you by CloudSpot, the all-in-one, way better than Google Drive solution to deliver and even sell your photos online. You can grab your free forever CloudSpot account with 10 gigs of photo storage absolutely free over at deliverphotos.com. Now, today's guest, Ave, is a really interesting guy. I mean, uh, he's got a knack for photo projects with such a simple concept that have such novelty like it it's it's a joy to look at his photos you know um and i interviewed ave back uh, in episode 290 where he shared with us uh, his photo series called starstruck which is a collection of images that he took uh, of the colorful people walking around hollywood boulevard in the 1970s and that is a book you can check that out i'll have a link in the show notes too where you can pick that up uh, but since then I've been keeping up with him and his fun photo projects and thought, uh, you know, what a better way to kick off the new year than to talk about fun photo projects to inspire us throughout the year ahead. So be sure to stick around after the interview where I'm going to share my three biggest lessons from today's chat so that you can start to take away what you learn here on the podcast and actually implement it into your own photography. So with that, let's go ahead and get on into today's interview. Dave, last time you were on the podcast, I think my first question for you was, when did you know that photography was going to play an important role in your life? And now that you've been on the podcast, I now have to come up with another question. So I, I was thinking about this, and I want you for a moment to kind of, you know, close your eyes, mentally close your eyes, whatever you need to do. And because you have an extensive photo collection, an archive of images, I want you to think about them and think about that. What, I want to know what the first image that pops into your head, whether it stands out just because you love it or for any other reason, I want you to have an image in your head that you can think of from your, from your archive. Do you, do you have an image in your head? I do. Describe that photo for me. Um, it's a picture of a, my cat and, uh, and a rat. So and I call that uh, cat and mouse, and uh, and I called it uh, cat and mouse. I think for for Gunther Grass from the uh, from his his book. But uh, I had I had a breakfast room, and the cat. Whenever the cat uh, caught anything, he would bring it into the breakfast room. The the room was surrounded by windows on three sides, and it had one door to get into the into the uh, to this breakfast room. So the cat would bring things in and he could guard the door. So um, uh, one day he brought in a, a rat and, uh, and you know, he just played with it. And I sat there and took pictures. 
and I got a really uh, a terrific picture. And it's a picture where where he has the the rat in the corner. So there's a an upward triangle to that. And so the triangle is in the middle and the, the rat is on one side and the and the cat is on the other. And it's just charged with energy because everybody knows what's gonna happen, but nothing is, is going on. And the the rat's tail is is strung out straight and the cat's tail is strung out straight. So so it's a very force. You know, there's a force going on. And uh, I have that as also a, a business card. And I see it all the time. And um, uh, when I hand it out to people, they just say, oh, that's wonderful. I love cats. And I think it takes them a while to see what is really going on. But uh, uh, it's just a, a very charged picture. Did you know how um, visually impactful the image would be as you were taking it or did it develop over time? No, I, I didn't know immediately because I took probably uh, maybe at that time I was shooting film, maybe uh, I, I took 10 or 12 pictures and then I looked at them and, you know, some of the pictures, the, the cat was throwing the rat up in the air and uh, sometimes a chair leg got into the picture. So so I just uh, knew once I looked at the pictures that this that this picture was uh, dynamic just because if you hang on, I can get the card and show you the little picture. Sure, it's just of in, course. Just, just in back of me, I have to take the headphones off for a second. Yeah, of course, of course. Can you? Uh... Oh, there we go. Sure enough. Oh, yeah, there's the triangle. We have the cat on the uh, on the right there looking uh, to the left. And it looks like the rat's trying to get away. That image tells a story for sure. I want to know because you are one of the people who, when I think of somebody who makes interesting images, I think about you. And when I think about your body of work, um, it's easy to think of photo projects, the photo projects that you do. And maybe it's the way that you categorize them. Maybe it's the way that you um, view the world. I'm not sure. But when you have an image like this, when you have this image that on its own stands there, it's powerful, it's strong, we understand the story. Do you think to yourself, I need to look for more images like this to start building together? Or do you start thinking of your other photos to categorize it with with them? Um, <clears throat> when, when I go out to take pictures, um, Sometimes I think, uh, um, well, I need to get the, uh, a picture. I'm going to a specific place. I'm going to take some pictures. But I get sidetracked a lot because I see a, I see a picture that would fit into a, another series. So, and that doesn't mean that, that my uh, uh, antenna are always up because I miss a lot of pictures. You know, they register in my brain, but I don't take the picture. You know, for some reason, I just get involved in what's going on or uh, looking, watching. And then uh, uh, I might take uh, some pictures. And then afterwards, I think, oh, gee, how come I didn't take this picture? I think that uh, I'm all over the place, you know. 
And uh, I know it, it might not seem that way to, uh, to other people, but um, I try to concentrate and sometimes I do a better job than others. But uh, mostly I, I just, uh, you know, see, can feel what's going on. And, and, if, uh, and I get pulled over and I, I, I take a picture of something other than what I set out to take a picture. And as far as the, uh, the categories go, I think that um, the pictures of uh, the picture of the cat and the, and the cat and mouse here, I call it, it's a rat, but it, I call it a mouse. And, and uh, the picture of the cat and the mouse was the beginning of me taking uh, pictures of animals and um, not, not always pets, you know, just how society uh, has a relationship with animals. And that particular series, which is probably, this started in 77, so it's, it's uh, more than 40 years old, deals with, um, um, you know, people wearing fur, people, uh, uh, butcher shops that have rabbits hanging in the window because people eat rabbits. Sometimes uh, dinosaurs, uh, you know, like uh, uh, concrete dinosaurs that are all over the country and uh, advertisements using animals. And sometimes it's pets, but uh, sometimes it's pictures. It's, I go to zoos all the time. So um, I'm, I'm on the lookout for animal pictures all the time. But I might go out to, to do something else and see, see an animal picture. And then I get sidetracked. So uh, it seems like um, today we kind of live in this world where um, at least for photographers, they're told to niche down so much, right? Whether it be, you know, you can't just be a wedding photographer. You have to be a wedding photographer for couples, for working professionals who want an elopement on a mountaintop, right? Like so hyper specific. This idea, this photo project of yours, animals, it seems so big. Where do you draw the line between taking a photo of every single animal and I don't know what, what it is that you have? What, what's that balance? Well, I've always wanted to do a, a, a book about the uh, animal antics. Uh, I haven't yet uh, started to, I have my favorites, but I haven't, nobody has been that interested in that. But I haven't also I haven't promoted that or looked for somebody to do that or teamed up with a, a writer or something. But if if somebody was interested, then I would start the editing process. And the editing process um, takes quite a quite a, a, a time. It doesn't just happen uh, right away. You you know, which picture faces the other picture or. A, is there one picture per page? Is there a blank page someplace? And, you know, so that's a, um, you know, just the editing process for a project that is going to come to fruition might take a year. So I, you know, like I haven't yet dealt with, uh, with the animal antics. So when you say antics, when, when you see, are you looking for some sort of action or emotion from these animals? And is that... Is that what's mm, triggering you to want to photograph this? Or on the opposite side of the spectrum, do you go out and shoot everything and then build the projects 
after the fact, after you've captured animals in all these different situations, you realize, oh, wow, this one's doing that. Oh, and so is this one. And so is this one. This could be its own project. Hey, Raymond here. If you're sometimes baffled by which camera settings to use, then I've got just the thing for you. My free guide, Picture Perfect Camera Settings. It's a fantastic starting point for anybody eager to understand the basics of camera settings in various shooting scenarios. And it's tailored to beginners who want to get out of auto mode, providing clear, easy to follow suggestions on where to start with your settings. So whether you're capturing a stunning landscape or a family portrait, Picture Perfect Camera Settings will help you to get off of automatic mode and explore the possibilities your camera offers. Remember, mastering photography settings is a journey, and this guide is your first step. And the perfect resource to guide you towards finding the right settings for your style. So grab your copy today at perfectcamerasettings.com and start your journey to better photos. Well, it's taken a lot of years to get a, to get a good body of, of work on number of animal pictures. And then when I look at somebody else's picture of an animal or, or a strange picture of maybe a fake animal or something, or uh, maybe it's a, a tiger attack in India or, or something, then I say, oh, wow, I wish, it, I wish I would have been there. I wish I could have taken that picture. That doesn't last long. You know, it's just, I think, well, maybe that could have fit into my project. But, you know, and, and the, the word antics is only a working title because, you know, if we talk about uh, the Hollywood Boulevard picture uh, pictures, uh, my working title was uh, Hollywood Boulevard in the 70s. And um, when I started deal- working with a with a publisher, I had to go through and think about what would be a good title for the book. And, and then I realized, well, um, even though my focus was on the people on Hollywood Boulevard, there were stars in, on the, in the picture all the time because they're in the sidewalk. So trying to come up with titles, I came up with Starstruck. And that stuck, and the publisher liked it. So the original title got thrown out, and that became the title, and it's much better. So I have no idea what the animal pictures will become or if they ever will become, because something else might happen before that. In fact, I know, I know some things that are going to happen before that. So, (laughs) so for you being able to look back at your archive of images is, that sounds like one of the most important um, tools for you to be able to go back and start to build these projects kind of after the capture. Yes. And um, more recently I've been, I've been um, uh, weekly putting up a little, not a podcast, but a little thing on social media called Every Photo Has a Story. I've seen these. They're great, by the way. Very entertaining. Those are all taken from from uh, looking through my archives and saying, oh, here I can take four pictures from this group of pictures and talk about them. Sometimes I talk about the composition. Sometimes I talk about um, just the photograph itself or what I was feeling or uh, Sometimes I talk about something that doesn't have to do with the, the photograph and just present the photograph. So, And that way, I, I also keep track of what I've done in the past. So then that's fresh in my head for a week or something. And, and then I, then I kind of remember, oh, I've got 
I remember taking a picture, you know, like 40 years ago, and I don't have it in the archive yet. And then I have to go into the cave, and the cave is where I keep the cave is where I keep all the negatives. And then I have to leaf through those by the year until I find uh, a photo that fits into that category. And while I'm doing that, I might find another photo that fits into another category that I I rejected when I first took the photo because it didn't it didn't satisfy the constraints that I set up on that particular day, which was 40 years ago or 30 years ago. I've forgotten what the constraints were. I don't remember what I was trying to to do, but I have the photo and I'm not encumbered by what I was supposed to do. I can just look at the picture now with a fresh eye and say, oh, you know, this is a pretty good picture or no, this is why did I choose this picture? It's terrible. You know, <laughs> so I have a fresh I have a fresh look at that. And I also do the same now if I go if I go through the pictures that I have digitally or I go through the Lightroom pictures, you know, and uh, I rejected pictures or I passed them by. And then I look through, you know, like a, a folder on Lightroom and I see, wow, this is look at this picture. How come I didn't notice it before? So I think um, revisiting your own pictures is is a very special thing, and and um, and you have you have to just be open. You have to be more open to that than you are when you're when you're taking the picture. So after um, years of building this archive, what tips do you have for us to start building it? Like as we look forward, because I know that a lot of photographers who are new to, new to photography, you've been photographing longer than I've been alive. You know, so in <laughs> in that time that you've been shooting. What have you done with your archive now to in or back then to ensure that today, if you wanted to go back through and look, you'd be able to find that there's some sort of organizational system? How can we start to build it ourselves? Well, I can tell you to do some things that I haven't done. I wasn't really keeping track, you know, so I think in, for instance, in, in Lightroom, you can put down your categories and then it'll go across the board. And if you say if you then put in birds or something all of the bird pictures will come up. I didn't do that. So I was keeping, not in film, but when I was started shooting digitally, there was a file number. So I started keeping track of the file number. But uh, uh, when I was shooting film, I kept track by year. So I had the year. But I wasn't specific enough. You know, you, I think you, if you want to have a good archive, you have to be really specific. And that takes a lot of time. So once you have the photograph, then you then identifying the photograph or putting in keywords or you have to be very meticulous about that. I wasn't very meticulous. So I'm relying on my memory a lot about, oh, I, I remember taking this picture and then I have to go hunt it up. And sometimes I'm successful and sometimes I'm not. But keeping track from the beginning is is probably a must you just have to know that it's going to eat up some of your time oh man yeah because once again there's a balance between all of the context and none of the context right i mean with uh with with the photo of the uh, of the cat and the mouse there i mean is it black cat 
Is it uh, triangle composition? Is it white walls? Is it high key? Is it contrast? Like how, you know what I mean? Like how many tags go into it? And I know for me, that seems very overwhelming and I would just abandon the whole thing. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. What do you think about, have you used any of the, um, like I know within the, uh, within Lightroom, not Lightroom Classic, but the 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 other version, the mobile first version. Uh, I think it uses AI to detect what's in the image, and then you can search, and it should pull things up. Like I know that I've searched beach before, and it showed me like all the pictures of the beach. Have you tried any of this? Uh, I have, and I don't like it. Oh, why is that? Yeah, uh, because it requires uh, too much time. Time as far as importing them into Lightroom or searching. Uh, searching. You know, I have them in, uh, uh, I do put names on the files. So if I say uh, Santa Monica, then uh, then I can look through all of the, all of the Santa Monica pictures. Mm -hmm. And within that, I've probably already pulled out pictures, you know, that fit into different categories. And then I have uh, within those categories, I, you know, you know, it might be an animal in Santa Monica, or it could be a person, or it could be a homeless person, or it could be a, a bosker or some, you know, or it could be a, uh, an acrobat. So uh, within that, um, I have a file that might say acrobat or street people or, you know, so after I find uh, Santa Monica, I could, I've taken something from Santa Monica and put it into a different folder. The same if I if I go to another country, mm -hmm. you know, I might say, OK, uh, here's a here's a picture of a clock. So that might go in under the category in the folder called time. So uh, connected to my other computer and there's backups on this computer. Uh, the other computer, I think I have uh, six drives connected to. Mm -hmm. So, so each of those drives, there's one drive for, for jazz, one drive for maybe, uh, uh, the animal things, maybe another drive for just archives, another drive for new pictures that I'm taking, you know, like the started, if I get a new drive, then that gets labeled, uh, 2023. And, you know, I thought about, um, uh, getting these super drives or NNS. Oh, an NA, a NAS, an NAS. Yeah, an NAS. But it's very expensive to start all over again. I, I'm going to send you some resources after this. I don't think that it's as expensive as you think. And oh, okay. I'd be happy to help you out. But because uh, oh, I, okay. I just recently made the switch as well. Uh, so I'd, I'd love to share some thoughts. But w when it comes to uh, the categorization, then, as we're talking about here of your archive, what for you are like the main themes. You said that it's categorized by year, of course. Um, and then, and then location, like, like, tell me how, tell me how you break down a photo as far as, uh, keeping it organized. Yeah. If I would say, um, Paris, taking pictures in Paris. So, so that's the main category, Paris. And then within Paris, there's another folder called, uh, Metro, or there's another photograph called museums. Uh, there's another another folder, so it it's the main folder, and then there are sub sub folders. And and then to, so to build a project after the fact, I guess what I'm trying to get at here is that yeah, I build the project after the fact. I don't know that uh, very often. I don't know that there's a project. Yeah, there isn't any project. Yeah, 
and then I then I have I find out that I've gravitated towards a certain, you know, I go to some place and I say, oh wow, look at all these statues, or if I'm using using Paris, the money maker in Paris is the Eiffel Tower. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that before I got to Paris. I mean, I knew that there was a, a an Eiffel Tower, and I'd been to Paris before. And then I started seeing, started really paying attention to because everywhere I went in Paris, I could see the Eiffel Tower. Mm. Everywhere. So I started taking pictures of the Eiffel Tower, like everybody else does, but with a little bit different slant. It was always from where I was. So, you know, if it was out the window of a museum at night, then there would be part of the museum in the picture and then the Eiffel Tower. I had no idea that I was going to be taking pictures of the Eiffel Tower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so now I have a, a small collection of, of Eiffel Tower pictures. How many good ones are there? At the moment, there might be three or four. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe out of 20 or 25, will I ever do anything with them? I have no idea. <laughs> if somebody asks me about, uh, what did you do in Paris or something like that? I might send them a, that picture, you know, I see. Yeah. Or if somebody asks me, uh, do you have any pictures of the Eiffel Tower? I would send them the one that I like the best. But I don't know when I take a picture. Uh, whether it's going to to really blow up or become something larger. Well, before before thinking about will this develop into something, which is interesting because I always feel like that's the first question that I ask myself. And if the answer is I have no idea, then I typically just don't do it, which um, is a habit that I need to break for sure. So if you want to go back and build this into a project, just so that I can get some clarification, I know that this isn't a, a an episode all about organization and whatnot, but just so that I can get a better picture, you would have to go back and search through all of your folders of images to see if you can find anything else that fits the category. Is that right? Uh, yes. Yeah, that's the short answer. <laughs> but but uh, that might come up when I'm searching for something else. Mm-hmm. And then I see, oh, unconsciously, I had this picture before I started thinking about it as a series. Mm-hmm. I might have taken that picture just because I was interested, but but it didn't the light didn't go off. So I didn't it didn't it wasn't a category uh, in the past. That makes sense. So, as I said, it's a new year. Uh, there's a lot of people who, myself included, would like to try more photo projects. And as somebody who's very productive at photo projects, I want to learn from you, right? Uh, as somebody who who puts together a lot of photo projects, um, you are somebody who, uh, when I look at your work, I can see, I can see the progression, I can see the the vastness in the projects that you create, and seemingly they can kind of be all over the board. So I want to ask this: this may be a strange question, but when I think about architecture of places of worship, people sitting on a bench waiting for a bus, theater box offices, humans interacting with animals. Can you, in one word, tie all these images together? What brings these images together? Uh, I'm curious. 
That's it. It's just, uh, and I, I think we started uh, today saying that I'm all over the place. And and um, and then you talked about photographers who are who have a speciality. You know, they're only taking pictures of weddings, so they're only taking pictures of architecture. That would just bore the hell out of me. <laughs> you know, so that's that's just not not where I. No, I, I That's just, not where you uh, live. Okay, so no. then um, uh, there's there's uh, how do you go deeper into a project if you're looking at multiple different projects kind of all the time? How do you go deeper into something? If there's a particular, for instance, I've been shooting now for a year on on the Santa Monica Pier, so I can go there, park my car, and then I go and I spend ninety minutes, maybe at the max two hours on the Santa Monica Pier, taking pictures. And sometimes they're, uh, like I have too many pictures of people um, trying to uh, sell something. But uh, so I so I force myself to look at other, other things. But it's going to take me another year of taking pictures there to get a body of work. So I go there knowing that there's something, I'm going to see something. I might get one picture in that two hours. One good picture. You know, I'll know when I start editing, you know, which ones are the good pictures and which ones aren't. I have yet to, to go there and shoot pictures at night. I haven't shot pictures in the fog there. I have shot pictures underneath the pier. Um, I On the, this past 4th of July, I took a flag to the to the beach that's on either side of the Santa Monica Pier and asked people to hold up the flag uh, if they and ask them what they thought about uh, the 4th of July. So that was kind of a sub-category because every 4th of July I take pictures of people with flags or I hang a flag up or something like that and get people to pose. So now I have some pictures about Santa Monica Pier on the 4th of July. So some of the some of the categories overlap, you know that that's just the subcategory of the Santa Monica Pier. So of course, and at the end of the two years, there could be no one else interested in those pictures but me. <laughs> Does that matter to you? No. Why is that? I mean, I wish that uh, I I wish that uh, everybody would say, "Wow, look at the look at this, look at this," but um, that's not why I'm taking the pictures. Although I have to tell you that um, more recently, I've been really aware of uh, my legacy. And and that only came about because I I listened to a po- another podcast uh, each Sunday morning of, of Hindus talking about it, and they don't believe in legacy. And I said, well, I, you know, like that doesn't work for me. Because um, my pictures are going to be here long after I'm gone, mm-hmm. and that's and that's what I want to have happen. Mm-hmm. Then I started really thinking about legacy, and and uh, feel very good that my pictures are going to be here, just like photographers who I have looked at in the past who are long gone, dead, and um, they're still their photos are living, and I can and I know something about those photographers looking at their pictures. So how are you managing that? How are you managing your future legacy of your images? (music) 
there are two ways to bring home more money with your photography business. You either get more clients or you spend less of the money that you make. CloudSpot Studio helps you keep more of what you earn. With the lowest payment processing fees in the industry, the average photographer will save $300 annually. And that's just more money to invest in essential gear like a new flash or a sweet camera bag. You know, one that is perfect for storing all of the wedding day snacks that you can pack. But it's not just about savings. CloudSpot Studio is designed to streamline your workflow. Easily organize shoots, send contracts, questionnaires, invoices, and you're really going to enjoy the hassle-free payments. So sign up for a free CloudSpot account at deliverphotos.com and... As a bonus, you're going to get access to my exclusive wedding and portrait contracts and questionnaires at no additional cost. Why let fees chip away at your profits? Empower your photo journey with CloudSpot and watch your business soar. Well, you know, I have, I'm working on the archive, certainly, and those will, those will go to, uh, to some institution. What do you mean by that? Just so that I can I can be clear, you're 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 taking all of your images and you're sending them to somebody. Not uh, not all of the images, but the ones that I think are good, I will find somebody to take care of those, or I will give them to an institution. I don't know whether it'll be a, a, if I can get a museum to to take them or or somebody else who will who will just manage them afterwards. That isn't clear to me uh, uh, yet. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is, is that I'm very involved in books. It's another way to get the photographs out there, a broader way to get the photographs out than, than to get a single image out or to, to have a gallery selling uh, one image that somebody is going to hang on their wall. I'm not as interested in that uh, as I once was. Um, I think that it doesn't happen very often. It's certainly uh, very difficult to to make a living that way. So I don't think of it in those terms. If by chance or luck or something that that um, 20 years from now when I'm long gone, someone uh, uh, there's a, a a news flash or something that says this picture of Abe Pilda is sold for twenty thousand dollars at at auction, I would be happy. I won't benefit financially from it, but I'll be happy that because of that news flash, a lot of people will see that image. Mm -hmm. More people will see the image. Is So what is it that is most important to you about that? Why, this may be a just a dumb question, why do you want more people to see your images? Just to uh, let them see uh, what I saw and what I thought was important. It was important to me or it was strange to me or look what I saw. Isn't this interesting? And then and then if somebody else sees that, they might find that it's interesting also. Maybe it opens up something else for them. So when earlier when you said that the word curiosity is what ties all these different projects that you have together, when somebody looks at an Ave Peldis photo, you want them to feel curious as well. Is that it? Yes, I would like to, you know, like uh, maybe they maybe they missed it or maybe they're drawn to that picture because they recognize something in that picture that that they themselves gravitate towards. Maybe it's the person who never looked at that type of image or that situation before and and said, oh, how come I never recognized this before? Or how come I never saw this before? So it's just 
you know, like asking me why I take uh, why I take pictures. You know, like uh, I think if I draw an analogy to uh, someone who's singing a song or or a musician, you know, and there are all these mu- musicians who are long gone and they still have recordings and people listen to those recordings and they're pleased by them or they keep the beat or they dance to them or they, uh, or it's joyful or, and uh, those dead musicians, they're just smiling. You know, it's the same kind of, same kind of feeling. That's so wholesome. (laughs) You know, that's so, that's so interesting to hear. I love it. So thank you. That was, uh, that was, that was beautiful. When it comes to creating images for you, I want to know what, what's more important. Is it speed of execution or is it perfection? You know, I think that when you do, when you do something, uh, uh, for a long time and you have a skill set, you don't think about the skill set so much when you're doing it, it's built in. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, yes, do I, do I change my station point when I'm, uh, looking at, something I want to take a picture? Yes, I do. Do I try and find the best angle? Do I tilt the camera? Do I do I compose? I I do. If I'm having to work fast because I'm gonna miss it and I miss and I miss a lot of pictures because I'm not quick enough. I don't think about all those skills that I that I've developed over the years when I start taking the pictures because they just kind of fall in place. And all I really have to do is recognize something that's going on and get my camera to to see what I'm seeing and push the shutter. And um, uh, one of the things that I don't do is that I, I don't have my camera set on uh, multiple exposures. I just never that just never uh, I didn't get in that habit. My habit was to always push the shutter, always push the button down. That presents a problem sometimes because there's a la- there's a little lag time. So when I was shooting film, when I pushed the push the shutter down, it was that's when I saw it. And lag times have gotten much better, much shorter uh, uh, with each new development of ca- of digital camera. Mm-hmm. But there's still uh, sometimes a lag time, you know, because there's autofocus and you know like it's got to come into focus and then then it takes the picture with film you know like i could i could uh, uh know that at f8 and at this distance all of this everything from five to ten feet was going to be in focus so that that isn't exactly now you can do manual focus but manual focus on digital cameras is all is slower than autofocus yes so so you have to overcome those tech, technological uh, things with digital cameras. But I, I think the answer to the question was that things are built in. So uh, I'm lucky. I, I think I've got the timing down better now than I used to. And uh, it works. So I use all of those skills that I have to get the picture. And if I get the picture, I'm happy. If I don't get the picture, I get pissed off at myself. But there's another picture right around the corner, right to my light, left or right to my right. And then my focus is on that. And I've forgotten about the one that I missed. You don't sit and dwell about the photos that you've missed in the past? Uh, maybe for a minute. Sometimes they probably kick myself in the butt for a second. And then, no, there's just too many more pictures. Oh, yeah. That is a great, that is a great outlook. 
Um, I want to go back to books real quick because um, uh, we we kind of briefly went over books and, and the power of books and then kind of being able to live on. But your projects sometimes have different mediums, right? Some of your projects are just on your website. Some of them are published in books. But some of them, as you mentioned earlier as well, you're posting to social media and you're doing these kind of deep dives into an image. So how much do you need to know the the end result, the medium that it's going to be while you're while you're out shooting? Do you focus on that at all? No, I don't. You know, that's that's kind of like saying, oh, I, I, I'll take this picture because I know that other people are going to like it. I could never figure out what people are going to like and not or dislike or who's going to react to this. I can bring an analogy to this. If you try and satisfy somebody else, it's like a job. You know, I, I did that for years, taking pictures for other people as a commercial photographer. And uh, even though I used my talent to make uh, good pictures for clients, uh, it always felt to me like um, they weren't my photographs. They were for somebody else. Mm-hmm. I think I said once before that I took all of that uh, commercial, almost all of that commercial work and destroyed it yeah. so that I wouldn't so that I wouldn't have to uh, uh, be responsible for it or take care of it. Wow. Uh, I'm really very lucky and blessed that I just uh, am doing it for me. Do I think about, is it going to make me money? It's not going to make me money. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not. Uh, so then why books? Why books? Why not just post your photos on Instagram and, 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 the, and that's it? What, what's the importance of books? Well, I do that, but I do know that books have a longer life. The motto for, the, uh, for Deadbeat Club Press, who published mm-hmm. the, the Starstruck, their motto is, there is no money in books. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Clint Woodside, who and his wife Alex, who have that press, they they're wonderful. They publish a half a dozen books a year, you know, so maybe one more or maybe one less. But um, their books aren't really making them money. They're also coffee roasters. So he has a business where he roasts coffee and he sells coffee to to coffee shops and to restaurants and things. And at the book fair that I went to, um, it was at the Geffen where there were booksellers from all over the world. He made more money because he had a booth there selling coffee, you know. <laughs> um, he made more money selling coffee than he did selling books. It's just a love you know? for books. He has a love for books. And I think that uh, there's another uh, press that uh, has the same idea, who's very successful, Nizrali Press. And Chris Pickler, and and both of these both these guys do very quality work, and they choose uh, photographers all all different directions, but they produce a really good project. They produce good books. But uh, uh, Chris has an olive oil uh, business, you know, so he has an uh, olive trees, you know. I mean, this is the love of photography and the love of books. It's not the love of money, you know. They're not doing doing it for money. I have the same attitude, and I, and I feel I feel like part of their family, you know. And I'm happy to be a, a part of their family because we we have the same kind of thought about uh, doing things out of out of love. Mm-hmm. T- tell me, tell me the difference in feeling you get when you open up a book from a photographer versus 
heading to their Instagram and looking at their feed? Well, when I was really young um, and you looked at photographs, you looked at an eight by 10 photograph and you held it in your hand and you looked at the photograph. It wasn't it wasn't the size of a billboard. You know, there were no photographs in museums at that time. So it was very personal. And books are very much like that. It's so personal. It's you in the book and the photograph. You're looking at that. And that's and so you're at one with that. The difference, to, I think, on social media, um, for instance, now I'm looking at you. But the rest of my screen is is full up with uh, with notes and photos and and things like that and it's and the other environment and it's just not as not as personal and it's moving and there's also maybe a time limit you know so when people post things you know they put it on a cycle okay two seconds or five seconds or thirty seconds or something so at the end of that. While you're still looking at, well, what's happening in this corner, you know, then then the picture changes. So I'm not turning the page. I can go back, but it's probably it could be my age or just uh, what I'm used to. But it's not as personal. So the social media isn't as personal for me. Do I use social media? Yes, because it's a way to reach to reach out. Do I ask people to go and visit my website? Yes. I, I do ask them to do that. Do I ask them to uh, to buy a book? I ask them to do that too. Am I successful at any of that? I don't keep track of the analytics. <laughs> but one of my studio um, assistants does, and she says, oh, Abe, look at this. You know, 800 people looked at this. It's not as good as the one that got a 1,000 looks. but it. And I just say, what am I supposed to do with that? information mm -hmm. you know and it doesn't stop me from putting the next thing up and i don't go and look at the one that got more looks or likes or whatever and try and replicate that because i think that that that's again chasing chasing something because i don't know that you know if i put up a picture of myself more people Look at that. Then, if I put up a picture of a of a photograph of something that I shot, mm -hmm. and I could never understand that. Mm. That is interesting. You know, I don't know why are people interested in a in a photograph of me as opposed to a picture a photograph of something else. I don't know. I, I don't. Uh, I don't have an answer for that. That is. Uh... Neither do I. <laughs> but it doesn't change the way that you move forward with social media. No, because it's a no. Yeah. If I know that we're coming to the uh, to the end of our time here. So if you could look back at your career, if you could think about the photo projects that you have created, if you could think about maybe images that have made the most impact, if you could think about when you felt most fulfilled creatively, what advice would you give to somebody who is just getting started? who maybe they feel lost. They don't know what it is that they want to start shooting. They don't know what the subject matter is going to be, what the medium is going to be, if it's going to be successful, or even how to determine whether it's going to be successful. What would you say to those people? Um, I, I would say that every everybody gets something. You know, you're, everybody gets something that you're born with. And um, if you can identify what that is, 
you know, like uh, whether it's uh, you're musically inclined or visually inclined, you know, then I think that, uh, you know, once you identify that, then you have, then you can develop it. And that's what's going to make you happy. And you have, you just have to follow that. You don't have to try and be somebody else. You just have to recognize what you are and the gift that you've been given. And you develop that and never give up. Never give up. That, that's it. Have you ever thought about giving up? No, no, it's not. No, give up to what? Well, I guess in terms of, you know, we had talked a little bit about the commercial photography and you didn't like it. And uh, moving on from that, when, when do you know when to stop doing something that isn't aligned with with yourself? Uh, I, th I think that um, in my case, it was, you know, it's very stressful when, you know, and, and I liked to, when I was doing commercial photography and I was younger, I could... I could feed off of the, uh, the stress, you know, like you, you just, um, that's part of, uh, your testosterone, you know, you're just trying to, you know, run it a hundred miles an hour all the time and you, you feed off of that. And then, uh, eventually you get uh, tired or you just said, Oh, I just can't stand another person telling me to do it this way. And that happened when I when I switched over from being a designer to a photographer. It's because I, I was sick of people telling me, clients telling me, make the size of the type a lot larger. I don't like this color or something like that. Or or the worst was for them to changing something on the press without me knowing or without telling me. And finally, I just said, you know, it's it's much easier to be a photographer. Nobody is telling me to change the image. They're just saying, I like this one or I don't like this one. And that's a little bit easier to deal with. And I don't equate like and dislike with good and bad because you can like something that is bad. So I, I, could, forgive, I could forgive people easier for me to forgive people around a photograph than around a design. You know, I would just say that you know, you just got to eventually follow your heart, what makes you happy. If you get that early on, good for you. If it comes later, good for you. But um, if you get that, you got to run with it because mm. that, that's what makes your day. I don't know how to end it any better than that. Ave, once again, you came on. You did a phenomenal job taking my less than fully formed questions and turning them into answers that I know listeners uh, are going to be able to have some major takeaways from. So thank you for that. Before I let you go, listeners are going to want to know, where can we see some of these photo projects that Ave is, uh, Ave is talking about? Where's the best place, place to do that? Um I guess you can visit the website. You can always uh, go to a local bookstore and ask for Starstruck. You can turn in, you can uh, join my uh, Ever Wednesday Constant Contact by, uh, I think, uh, Googling me or, or there should be a, a, a link that you can just send me to put, put your name on my, on my list and then you'll get a photo uh, every Wednesday of whatever I'm thinking about on Tuesday night. <laughs> So, and just, uh, you know, try and have as much fun with it as you, as you can, you know, I think YouTube is a, is a really good place to, uh, to find me. 
you know, YouTube Ave killed us. Huge thanks to Ave for coming on the podcast. I had three takeaways from today's uh, interview. The first one is to take two things and make one thing. Ave really has this ability to take two normal things and combine them into one interesting thing. Um, and creating a unique image, which is something that we all want to do, I don't think it requires you to reinvent the wheel like sometimes we feel it does. Uh, sometimes it just takes you looking at the wheel a bit differently. You know, anybody can go to a local state park and take photos, but um, who's, you know, sitting on these trails with a camera set up just waiting to take a photo of wildlife to cross the path, you know, or even more, more so, who sets up an off-camera flash and just sits there waiting for the animal to look their best? You could. You could. Takeaway number two, follow your passion. It seems like a a bit of a trope, sure, you know, I understand, but... Ave has had a successful career as a commercial photographer and left it because it was killing him creatively. You know, to to not get to that point, you have to follow the things that interest you, whether it be subject matter or technique, whatever it is, you have to make it fun. You know, when it comes to photography, default to fun, not overwhelm. (laughs) And takeaway number three is to organize your archive. If you like this photography thing that, you know, we do, chances are you're going to take a lot of photos. And that happens um, because we we like to press the shutter button, you know, but, but but what happens after that? What happens to all those photos? You know, do they just go into a folder on your computer and become forgotten like a digital shoebox full of old prints? The problem is only going to continue to grow as you continue to shoot. So start to organize your photos now. I use and love Adobe Lightroom. I just ran a three-part organizing your photos challenge in the Beginner Photography Podcast community, uh, which all of the replays are still up if you want to, you know, come on in and watch them. Uh, But it's all about finding a system that works for you. And that is what I help you to do in this, you know, free video training. So uh, check it out in the Beginner Photography Podcast community. And if you're not a part of it already, you can come join us by heading over to beginnerphotopod.com forward slash group. Uh, you know, our community, it's free, it's private. So come join us. Those are my biggest takeaways. That's it for this week. Thank you again for tuning into this episode of the beginner photography podcast brought to you by CloudSpot, the easiest way to deliver and even sell your photos online. You can learn more about CloudSpot by heading over to deliverphotos.com. And remember, the more you shoot today, the better of a photographer you will be tomorrow. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Beginner Photography Podcast. Keep shooting, and we'll see you next week.